I can still remember the conversations that I had with my wife, Diane, as we were heading into the pandemic uh, in early 2020. Do you really think CVS is not going to have toilet paper? I still remember walking into the grocery stores and not seeing anything on the shelves. But one of the most surprising shortages during the pandemic was of flour and of yeast and everything else you needed to make bread. So I guess that's probably because we're all trapped in our homes and we sought foods that would bring us comfort. Or maybe we just needed things to do around the house in order to not go crazy. So a lot of us took up bread baking. There was a lot of bread baked during the pandemic. And lots of bread baking books sold. 200,000 more bread cookbooks sold in the U.S. in 2020 than in 2019. Today, we're going to talk about bread. Bread is one of the oldest foods in the world. And bread was extremely significant to those living in biblical times. Bread meant much more to them as it does to us today. Because bread is not normally the main dish that we serve. We serve it as an appetizer or maybe something to use as a sandwich or to dip in our soup. But in biblical times, bread was essential. Bread was life. I am the bread of life. That's what Jesus says in verse 35 and in verse 48. And this whole discourse is built around that claim. This claim comes right after one of Jesus' most famous miracles that we looked at two weekends ago, the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus provides bread for the people. And then in our passage this morning, he claims to be the bread. And so this morning, we're going to think about what it means for Jesus to be the bread of life. And all throughout this gospel, Jesus has been using these metaphors, right, of hunger and thirst. And as we've already pointed out, when Jesus speaks this way, he's pointing to a deeper reality. We think on a physical, material level, but Jesus is always talking about a spiritual level. Yes, we're hungry, but we're also hungry. Yes, we're thirsty, but we're also thirsty. Both hunger and thirst speak to the deep longings that we have, and Jesus offers himself as the answer to our hunger and our thirst. So for those of you taking notes this morning, I don't have three main sections for you to write down. Uh, We're actually going to be jumping around the text a little bit, but the main point, what I hope you see in the passage this morning is this. As bread is necessary for physical life, Jesus is necessary for eternal life. As bread is necessary for physical life, Jesus is necessary for eternal life. As we will see, that's the point being made all throughout chapter 6. But we'll also answer some questions that you may have, like, what does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life? It's a good question. What are we to do with the bread of life? 
And what happens when we eat the bread of life? So two weeks ago, we looked at verses uh, 1 to 21, where all these people, they come to Jesus, and he miraculously multiplies the bread and the fish. So this whole crowd eats their fill of fish sandwiches. And then they recognize Jesus as the prophet. And then they were seeking to make him king. And so Jesus withdraws from them to the mountain. And then he also sends his disciples to the sea and he walks on water and then brings them across the sea. Remember that, that, that moment where they just ended up, they were in the middle of the lake and then they end up at the shore immediately. So maybe they're transported. That's what I like to believe but they're across the sea. And our text this morning occurs the next day. Not, not even 24 hours later, the next day, the people realize that Jesus is not around. They can't find him. And so they cross the sea. And they find him at Capernaum. And when they find him, they ask him this question in verse 25. Rabbi, when did you come here? Now, now, they're not only asking what time he got there, they're also asking how he got there. But notice Jesus doesn't answer their question. Verse 26, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Here's another truly, truly statement. He wants his hearers to, to listen up, to pay attention. And instead of answering their question, Jesus exposes their selfish, materialistic, sinful hearts. He says, you're not coming to me because you realized that the sign I performed proved that I'm the son of God, the Messiah, the one who will bring about the true exodus. It's the next day. And you're hungry again. You ate your fill of the loaves, but now you want a late breakfast or an early lunch. They come to him seeking him to have their needs met, but they don't see who he truly is. And so they're seeking him to meet the wrong need. They worked hard. Think about it. They rode across the sea but they did this. They worked hard for the food that perishes. They wanted bread and fish again. Jesus says, don't put all your hopes and energy into what perishes, to what will never satisfy, to what is temporary. Focus on what is eternal, what I can give to you. So the question for you all this morning is, are you seeking the things of this world that will never truly satisfy We all have hungry hearts. Hungry maybe for comfort. Maybe to be loved. Or for money. For power. Maybe for approval. Everyone is hungry. And yet we often seek a quick relief. We work and fill ourselves with the food that perishes. And yet we often seek Jesus to meet the wrong need. That's what these people are doing in this passage. 
And the crowd doesn't get what Jesus is saying because they say, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Apparently, they thought they could do something themselves, that they could earn their way to eternal life. Hey, Jesus, tell us what works God requires us and we'll perform them. So Jesus responds in verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus tells them it isn't about working. It's about believing. Salvation is not by works. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There is no amount of works that you could do in your life to save yourself, to inherit eternal life. It's only belief in the one whom he has sent. The only thing that we bring to Jesus is our need. Now, the crowd didn't appreciate this answer. So they demand another sign. You see that in verse 30? So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, this response is sad. It's, it's, it's so sad that it's almost funny. It's almost comical. They're asking for another sign. Think about this was the crowd that was following Jesus because of the signs that he performed on the sick. And just the day before, he made thousands of, thousands of people lunch with just five loaves, two fish. This crowd proves that seeing is believing is a lie. They saw him perform miracle after miracle. They didn't believe. They just asked for another miracle. And then when they bring up the manna in the wilderness, this is kind of weird. They seem to be asking for a miracle like that. It's almost like they had forgotten what just had happened the day before. I think John wants his readers to, to see that connection with this interaction with Jesus and with what is written in Exodus chapter 16, where the Lord provided manna in the wilderness, bread from heaven. What happens in Exodus chapter 16? Well, the people of God that were led by Moses, they didn't understand. They forgot what the Lord had done, and then they grumbled. Here in John 6, again, the crowd doesn't understand. They forgot what Jesus had done the day before. And then later on, you see that they're grumbling. And so Jesus responds to them with a correction, right? He says, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven. It was the Father. And yet that bread was just the appetizer. It pointed to a, a greater bread, to the true bread which is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus himself is that true bread. But the crowd still doesn't understand. Look at verse 34. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. It's an answer that you kind of see all throughout the, the beginning of John's gospel, right? Nicodemus, when Jesus told him, you must be born again. What was Nicodemus's answer? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb? Right? Or, the, or the woman at the well, 
And Jesus tells her, I, I can give water that wells up to eternal life. And she responds by saying, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty again. See, the crowd here still thinks that Jesus is talking about physical bread. They're thinking about their rumbling stomachs. Jesus does meet physical needs. He does. They, they saw it. They saw it the day before, right? But he is more concerned about meeting our spiritual need. So that's the setting of this passage. Jesus exposes the problem in the people's hearts. Right now, we're going to look at the claim that Jesus makes. He makes a claim, and then he makes a promise. John chapter 6, verse 35 Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. What does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life? Well, it means that he's the true gift of God. It means that he is the true sustainer of life. What bread is to the body, Christ is to the soul. That's the claim. I, I'm the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will not go hungry. Like bread is necessary for our physical life. Jesus is necessary for eternal life. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying here, as the body needs food, you need me. It's as simple and as profound as that. Jesus knows that our spiritual hunger, our spiritual thirst, is greater than our need for food and water. So what's our spiritual need? Well, our spiritual need is that we all need to be saved and reconciled to God. We have all sinned and rebelled against God. And because of this, the wages of sin is death. Because of this, the wrath of God is upon us. And so outside of Jesus Christ, we will suffer for our sins. But Jesus meets our need. He has come down from heaven to give life to the world. He went to the cross. He took the wrath of God upon himself as our substitute in order that we might live. We need him to live spiritually. We need him to live spiritually just as we need bread to live physically. Apart from Jesus, we will die. And Jesus has come to give life. Right, we sang that song today, give me Christ or else I die. Without Jesus, the bread of life, we will die. Wealth and honor I disdain. Earthly comforts, Lord, are vain. These can never satisfy. Give me Christ or else I die. Don't work for the food that perishes. Seek the food that endures to eternal life. So what are we to do with the bread of life? Look at verse 48. 
I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So what does Jesus tell us to do with the bread of life? To eat it. Right? Those who eat of this bread will live forever. But what does this mean? Right? What does it mean to eat the bread of life? And these verses have resulted in much debate all throughout church history. And the language that Jesus uses gets even more vivid and graphic and spooky in verse 53. Right? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now, for those of us who have been in the church for a while, this, we hear this language and we're not shocked by it. But this language is shocking. Sometimes we take for granted how strange some of these things sound. Right? Especially to someone who's a visitor, right? who hasn't been in the church for a while. Jesus tells us to feed on his flesh and to drink his blood. The language that Jesus uses here led the Roman Catholic Church to develop its doctrine of the Mass. And as you may know, the Roman Catholics believe that as the priest blesses the, the bread and the wine, it actually becomes the body and blood of Jesus through what they call this thing called this doctrine of transubstantiation. And so according to Roman Catholic doctrine, when you partake of the mass, you are really and truly eating the body of Jesus and drinking his blood. This is one of the doctrines that the Protestant reformers protested and acted strongly against, and for good reason, because the Catholic Church, the, the Roman Catholics, believe that this Mass is a divine sacrifice. That's not what we see in the Scriptures. Specifically in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27 says, he, Jesus, had no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. Hebrews 10.10, 10, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So according to the Bible, the body of Jesus Christ has been offered on the cross once for all. That's the only sacrifice we will ever need. And so communion, the Lord's Supper, it's a remembrance of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And Christ is very much present in the supper with us, but not in a physical way. He's present through the Holy Spirit. And so here at Calvary and as Protestants and not Roman Catholics, we don't believe that in the Lord's Supper, the bread and the juice become the body and blood of Jesus. But Jesus does say in this text, eat my flesh and drink my blood. We can't shy away from that. It's there. You, it, you can't escape it. He says it there. So what does he mean? What does he mean? Well, Jesus tells us what he means. Look again at verse 35. 
Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So look at the two actions that he demands from us. Come to me, believe in me. That's what will satisfy your hunger and quench your thirst. And notice the parallels. Look at verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And then verse 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So looking on and believing are parallel ideas to eating and drinking. The language of eating and drinking throughout this passage is metaphorical. Jesus is speaking in a metaphorical way. And this shouldn't surprise us because we use that language of eating in a metaphorical way in our own lives. J.R. Beasley Murray points out that we're more familiar with this kind of eating metaphor than we may realize. We devour books. We drink in lectures. We chew over a matter. And we eat our own words. When people see a cute baby, they say, I could just eat them all up, which is a weird thing to say. (laughs) But when people say it, I hope they're speaking metaphorically, right? Eating is the same as coming. Drinking is the same as believing. That's what Jesus is talking about, coming to him, believing in him. And then by mentioning his flesh and blood, he's pointing to the cross, where his flesh will be torn, where his blood will be spilt. Jesus, the word who became flesh, became the bread of life for a sinful world by laying his life down so that others might live. And so Jesus is obviously not calling his people to literally eat his body and drink his blood. Christians are not cannibals. Jesus is calling his people to come to him, to believe in him. Believing Jesus includes trusting that his death on the cross, the crucifixion of his flesh, paid for our sins. His death gives us life. So what do we do with the bread of life? We are to eat of it, right? And to eat means to come to Jesus, to believe in him, and keep coming back again and again, trusting that he can fulfill our deepest longings. St. Augustine said simply, believe and you have eaten. So what does it mean to, to come to Jesus, though? It doesn't mean to just believe some things about him. What Jesus says here is, eat, you need me. Come to me as a hungry person so that I can fill you up. John Calvin wrote, faith doesn't only look at Christ from a distance, but embraces him. Doesn't look at Christ from a distance, but embraces him. And so those here this morning who have only looked at Jesus from a distance, would you come to him? Come to him as a hungry person. We're all hungry. And he will fill you up. 
Jesus says in verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. This means that Jesus is the source of true satisfaction. Belief in him is the only way to satisfy your hunger and your thirst. All right, so what happens when we eat of this bread? What happens when we come to Jesus, when we believe in him? I'm going to read a whole bunch of verses here. Verse 40, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 51, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Do you hear that repeated emphasis that happens when we eat this bread? What happens when we come to Jesus in repentance and faith? We receive eternal life. But I wonder if we've gotten so comfortable, so attached to the world that we don't long for eternity. We have all these dreams and things that we want to do before Jesus comes back. So delay, Jesus. Hold on. We don't long for eternity. When we read verses like this, does it give you hope? Does it encourage you? Do you understand the amazing promise that we have in Jesus Christ? It's kind of a big deal. We need to be reminded this morning of the good news. The heart of the Christian message is that the Lord Jesus Christ has conquered death so that you would come to him. And if you believe in him, he will raise you up on the last day and you will live forever. (laughs) And there's a lot of needs represented in this room. I understand. There's a lot of areas in your life in which you truly desire for God to work in. You have immediate needs that need to be met maybe this month or this week. But you know what you need most of all? A hope, a hope that not even death can take away. That's the hope that has always anchored Christians all throughout church history. Two things that should be distinct about Christians, the way that they live and the way that they die. If you believe in Jesus, death is not the end. So you can face death with courage, with hope and joy and confidence because Jesus promises that he will raise his people up on the last day. And in verse 49, Jesus says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. As good and miraculous as that provision of manna was, the people still eventually died. But then Jesus continues, this is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus is on his way to the cross 
where he will die in our place for our sins, his body for the life of the world. The death that you deserve, the death that I deserve, he will take upon himself. So the life that he has within himself, a life that is eternal, can be yours. So come, eat this bread. Come, trust in his death. Come, embrace this Savior. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come to me, believe in me, be satisfied, be filled. And when you come to him, you realize that the Father's been drawing us all along, right? Verse 44, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Continuing on in verse 45, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. We have this tendency especially in the the Reformed camp, to put divine sovereignty and human response at odds with one another. Either it's God drawing me to Jesus or me choosing to follow Jesus. But the Bible says it's both. You must come to Jesus. The invitation is clear. Eat of this bread. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. But then he also says, all whom the Father gives to Jesus will come to him. Behind all of this is the the Father, the loving Father drawing people to his Son, Jesus Christ. And because of the irresistible grace of God, God gives us a hunger for the bread of life. And you become drawn to Jesus and you believe in him. The Father gives, the Father draws, and yet the call is still for you to come. And once we've come to him in faith, and then after that, Jesus commands us to be baptized. So after we come to him in faith, after we come to him in baptism, we also come to him at the Lord's Supper. We come as the church, as, as God's people, to eat his flesh and drink his blood, not physically, but symbolically and spiritually. Because for sure, the Christians who were reading John's gospel for the first time would have seen that connection to the Lord's Supper. When we come to the table, it's not the bread that saves us. It's the faith expressed in the action of the eating and drinking. In this, in the Lord's Supper, you are expressing faith that Jesus Christ really died on the cross for your sins that he really did rise from the dead and that his body and blood really do forgive sins. We come to him hungry that he might fill us. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this coming to him, this believing him happens in a moment in time, right? Many, of, many in this room have had that moment in which you become aware that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you come to him in faith. You believe. Here's the question for all the Christians in the room this morning. Yes, you had that moment, but have you been hungry since then? 
Have you never been tempted to quench your thirst somewhere else? Of course you have. So have I. So this hungering and thirsting, this coming to him, this eating and drinking is a repeated action. Just like we need food and water every day, we need to feed on Jesus every day. That's why we gather here on Sunday. Because we need to be reoriented, to be reminded that true satisfaction is only found in Jesus Christ. We need to confess our sins because the ways in which we acted this week, and we sought satisfaction and purpose and things other than Jesus. We need to be reminded that we cannot live without Jesus. We come to be reminded that Jesus is the bread of life. God sent Jesus so that those who come to him shall no longer hunger. Those who believe in him will no longer thirst. We must turn from our sin. We must behold Jesus and believe. We will be saved, we'll be secured, we'll be raised and restored. And so maybe you're here this morning and things are becoming clearer for you. Your desire to be satisfied has come to that moment in which you realize that nothing, nothing can satisfy. And yet you hear this morning that Jesus is the one who can. And you sense a drawing. The Father is the one who is drawing you. And so I encourage you to talk to one of us before you leave today. We'd love to pray with you. Don't hold off. You're not promised tomorrow. Or maybe you're someone who everyone around you thinks that you're a Christian, and so you've just kind of gone along with it, but you know deep down that you're not. But you want to come to him today? Don't delay. Don't delay. Come. Believe. And eat. As bread is necessary for physical life, Jesus is necessary for eternal life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus, the bread of life. We are hungry, Lord. And we often run to our work, to relationships, to money, to satisfy that hunger. And yet you have provided the needs of your people in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray this morning that you would awaken fresh faith in us, a fresh hunger within us, and help us to bring our hungry and thirsty souls to you. Help us to come to Jesus now, looking in him for all that we lack, needing from him forgiveness for all that we are, and believing and trusting that he is more than enough. All that we need to do is come, eat, and drink. Or we pray for those who have never come to you before, 
that today would be that day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.